Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Wake Up With The Warriors. Time to recap game four of the first round of the playoffs between the Warriors and the Clippers. And this was a pretty fun game. There were a lot of questions going in after Golden State's dominant performance in game three, whether we were going to get a repeat of that, the Warriors seemed highly motivated, or whether the Clippers kind of having their last opportunity here at home, whether they were going to put up enough of a fight that they could try to steal this back, regain home court advantage. And it took a while uh, for us to get answers to those questions. This was the only game so far in the series where it kind of felt up for grabs for quite a while. Game one was kind of a blowout start to finish. Game two was obviously a blowout until the Clippers reversed the course dramatically and had that miraculous 31-point second-half comeback. Uh, game three was a blowout, pretty much start to finish. And this game, it wasn't that. It, w- it was very close for quite a while. And there were questions pretty much until the final few minutes who was actually going to win the game. So it started off, the Warriors were very clearly focused, very clearly motivated. Any thought that they were going to try to coast after a big win was immediately immediately put to bed. They were pretty sharp and very clearly motivated. But the Clippers were matching them punch for punch in the early going. And particularly for Los Angeles, kind of the unexpected star for them was the rookie Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He had a phenomenal first quarter and really played well all game long. He finished with 25 points, shot 9 of 15 from the field, 3 of 5 from beyond the arc. He was just had a very unique, well, he has a very unique game, and and that was really on display. He had very slithery and slippery ways of getting to the rim and and breaking down the Warriors' defense and keeping L.A. in this. The Warriors got good contributions right out of the gate from both Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson. And for a few minutes, it looked like, all right, the Warriors are playing phenomenally. They're going to be able to to blow this one out of the water. Uh, but Gilgis Alexander and the rest of the Clippers squad were simply not feeling that. And remarkably, we got to, you know, about the four-minute mark of the first quarter where Doc Rivers makes those substitutions to put Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams into the game. Uh, perhaps his two best players, which are coming off the bench, which is odd, but, you know, that's when he brings them in. And the game was tied at 20 to 20 at that point when Harold and Williams entered the game. And that's a huge victory for the Clippers. Obviously their starting lineup is nowhere near comparable to golden States, especially with those two top players on the bench. But once they turn things over to Harold and Williams who have given the Warriors some fits in this series, you feel like that's when LA maybe has an advantage when the teams move to their benches. 
So the fact that they were able to turn it over to those two guys with the game tied rather than a hole that they needed to climb out of was a huge victory for the Clippers. And they did not capitalize on it the way that they expected to. Harrell and Williams entered, again, I think about four minutes left in the first quarter. And the Warriors outscored the Clippers 12-2 to over the rest of the quarter. They did a tremendous job shutting down that two-man game between Lou Will and, and Trez Harrell. I asked Von Looney after the game what they had been doing these last two games to be so successful in defending that action. And he had some some very insightful comments. I'll have an article up tomorrow. You should read on it. But one of the interesting things that he said was that one of the things they've been trying to do is just switch the looks so that they're, they don't get predictable. They keep both players on their heels a little bit. They don't keep showing the same defensive action time and time again. And that was really on display. There were times where they were sending help aggressively at Lou Williams. There were times where they were sagging off him a little bit, kind of letting him have a little bit more space on the perimeter, but not letting him get to the rim. They were rotating a lot more aggressively to protect from Harrell rim rolling. And all in all, they were doing a better job defending that pick and roll in terms of trusting one another, in terms of funneling the offense into the rest of the defense, rather than over committing in the pursuit of individual shutdowns, which have really hurt them in the first two games of the series. And ultimately, they really limited those two players. Harrell shot an efficient five for eight, but by only taking those eight shots and not getting any free throws, he only had 10 points in 26 minutes. Lou Williams similarly struggled mightily. He was only 2 of 10 from the field. Uh, one of those two he made was kind of a, a miracle shot after he and Harrell were running a two-man game for pretty much the entire shot clock, and the Warriors had slowly worked them kind of into the corner where they, they just had no space and nothing to do. And with the shot clock running out, uh, Williams took a, a incredibly difficult kind of fadeaway contested three and made it. He did get to the line for 10 free throws, but still only 12 points on the night. And that really was the difference in this game. The Warriors shut down that action, and that go-to offensive duo for LA never got going. Harrell was a minus 17 in his 26 minutes. Lou Williams was a minus 18 in his 30 minutes. The Warriors ended up winning this game 113 to 105. So it was only an eight-point game. So those minutes where they were really dominating the Clippers with Williams and Harrell on the court ended up being the deciding factor in this game. The Clippers pretty handily outscored the Warriors when Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell were on the bench. And the Warriors just dominated the minutes when those two players were on the court. That was not what anyone was expecting, but it was very clear that the Warriors made huge adjustments in order to combat that action that had given them some fits, that had given the whole league fits really all year. And then offensively, it was kind of an odd night for the Warriors. Again, Clay and Durant were incredibly hot. Clay 
made his first four three-pointers. He ended up with 27 points at the half. He was just utterly unstoppable. He cooled off a little bit in the second half. Uh, he finished with, with 32 points, shot 12 of 20 from the field, 6 of 9 from the three-point line in kind of hilarious Clay Thompson fashion. His final stat line was 32 points, 1 rebound, 0 assists, 0 steals, 0 blocks. But he was tremendous, and the gravity that he brought to the game was important as well. Later on in the contest, the Warriors started running this set. They had the Hamptons 5 lineup on the court, and they started running a high pick-and-roll with Kevin Durant handling the ball, Andre Iguodala setting the screen, Draymond Green as the release valve kind of near the baseline, and Clay Thompson and Steph Curry camped out in the corners or at the wings, spacing the floor. And the defense was so committed to not giving Curry and Clay breathing room, as they should be, that that pick and roll was just getting them great looks every time. The Iguodala's man would hedge on to Durant. Durant would give it up to Iguodala. Iguodala and Draymond would have a two-on-one. And more times than not, it worked. They got a little sloppy with it, had some bad passes, some bad shots, but it was opening up the floor so dramatically. And Clay, with his great night, uh, stole the show after the game as he so often does. He said in his post-game interview that the reason that he had performed well was because he had an off day in his native Southern California and decided to go to the beach and, and jump in the Pacific Ocean. Steph Curry echoed those sentiments, which were pretty funny. He Someone asked about Clay's performance, and, and Steph basically said, well, he showed up to the hotel yesterday with with a wet t-shirt because he'd gotten back from jumping in the ocean, and I knew then that he was going to have a great game. So that was pretty fun. Kevin Durant, tremendous offensive performance. He balanced it out between both halves. He had 19 in the first half, 14 in the second half, led all scorers with 33 points, 12 of 21 shooting. Did it from everywhere. Three of six on threes, six of six on free throws. He also had seven rebounds, six assists. Steph Curry did not have a good night scoring. He really struggled with his shot. He made just three of 14, one of nine from beyond the arc. Finished with 12 points, but he did have 10 rebounds, seven assists, three steals. But absolutely nothing to worry about. Steph was getting tremendous looks. Um, he said, He said of his 11 misses that three of them were bad shots and eight of them were good shots. So if you put that together with his three makes, that's 11 of 14 in terms of having good shots to bad shots. Sometimes you miss them. Today he missed them, which you won't see very often from Steph Curry, but it happened tonight. Uh, so off night for him, but nothing to worry about. The offense was resulting in really good looks for him. And I think... They'll be pleased with the way that worked, even if he will be frustrated with the way he shot the ball. And I would expect, you know, the old uh, rules of Jim Barnett that great shooters don't have two bad shooting games in a row. 
So I would certainly anticipate that we are going to see a pretty good performance from him in Game 5. So ultimately, the Warriors were able to hang on. They withstood a a big third-quarter rally from the Clippers. Um, It was an eight-point Warriors lead at half, so it's not like the Clippers had to come back from 31 like they did in Game 2. But the Clippers came out of the gates firing in the third quarter, quickly tied up the game, quickly took a lead, and then the Warriors fought back from that pretty easily, were able to still have a lead going into the fourth quarter, just a three-point lead. But they still had it, and they built on it into the fourth quarter. It stayed close enough that the Clippers were in, were within distance until about the three-minute mark. And then the Warriors started to put things away. Uh, one play I should mention just really quickly is Kevin Durant in the second quarter. The Warriors had just a four-point lead. The Clippers had really been cutting into it. Final seconds, Durant pulls up for a deep three, makes it, gets the foul, completes the four-point play, doubled the Warriors' lead going into halftime, and it was just one of those debilitating, demoralizing plays where Staples Center, which was a raucous crowd, but was filled with a lot of Warriors fans, And a lot of Clippers fans, everyone was very loud. And it was one of those plays where half of the arena just erupts into a deafening roar. And the other half, you can just hear their tires deflating and the air coming flying out. It was was one of those shutdown shots, even for it just being the second quarter. The Clippers were building up momentum, and Durant just had one of those. I'm a superstar. It ain't happening tonight shots. So that was tremendous. Ultimately, the Warriors win by 8, 113-105. to They now have a 3-1 to series lead. They'll head back to Oakland with a chance to close out the series on Wednesday. And we will be back then with another episode. Thanks for listening, everyone.